Welcome to Brave New Words. Um, I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... I'm Ross. I'm Dal. I'm Anne. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about Jay Kristoff, uh, who's better known for the Illuminae trilogy, but uh, has recently produced a book called Nevernight. Um, and today's theme, I think, might be assassins, possibly assassins, depends if we get, you know killed in the middle of it by assassins. It could happen, it's unlikely. Across the world, the real alternative. FabRadioInternational.com Starburst Radio, the greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday, 9pm till 11pm. Exclusive to Fab Radio International. That was an advert. What a lovely advert. Good advert, <laughs> I liked it. Indeed. I said Tommy to. Starburst Magazine. So, uh New Words is brought to you, of course, by uh, Starburst Magazine. Um, and you can also read the column, Brave New Words, uh, in Starburst Magazine every month. Where you can get Starburst Magazine pretty much where all good magazines are sold. Uh, you can also listen to us uh, via the Starburst website, and you can also find us on the Wonky Spanner website. Thank you very much to the guys at Wonky Spanner for sorting us out on the application Stitcher, so you too can grab it via Android if you need to. If you're a fan of the show, please comment on iTunes if you use iTunes. It really does help us out, uh, and it lets us do more exciting things and maybe even get more people to listen to the show. Um, so, um, Jay Christoph is better known for the Illuminae series. The Illuminae series is uh, a young adult sci-fi um, and it's currently being optioned by Plan B Entertainment, who is Brad Pitt's production company, for a movie. Nevernight is not a young adult novel. Absolutely um, not a young adult novel. It's got some great openings because it kind of opens twice. Um, the first opening it opens with a hanging, and the first line is People often shit themselves when they die. Did you know that? Question mark. As the main character, Mia, sees her father being hung for treason. Um, that's the intro we turn the page and the first page says the boy was beautiful cowbell smooth skin honeydew dew sweet smile black curl, curls on the right side of his of his of really strong hands and hard muscle at his eyes oh daughters his eyes five thousand fathoms deep pulling him into a laugh as uh, even as he drowned you the ma- and then you turn the page the man was repugnant sclerosis skin a shallow chin lost in the folds of stubbled fat the first two pages, uh, Jay Christoph turn, sits is sit, sitting the reader down and saying, "This is not a young adult novel. It's going to have sex and blood and, squ- and swearing in it." Um, if you are a fan of the Illuminati trilogy, proceed, and you're of a certain age, proceed with caution. I think what you just said sounds exactly like a young adult novel. <laughs> it, it it isn't blood, uh, sex, and swearing. Blood, sex, and swearing. Um, <laughs> he's definitely trying to draw a line if you see what I mean in the sand there is is quite a bit of blood there is quite explicit sex scenes 
Uh, and yes, you get that in young adult, but it's clearly aimed at a more gro- slightly more grown-up audience. Yeah. But yeah, I, get, I take your point. <laughs> Very much so. You can't just say, "Oh, well, there's boobies in this." It's not for kids. Uh, it's not. It's not for young people. Um, well, no, I think you'll find that a certain sort of young adult is old enough to know what those are. Uh, but yeah, he's putting aimed at a grown-up audience or you know mature readers, mature minds required. I believe is the the line that they use. So our main character is Mia. Mia is grumpy sardonic um, not at all a happy bunny um, and she sees her her, her her father die and she joins the red church who are it's school for assassins she's uh, if she is successful she'll be inducted in the, the uh, among the, the blades of the lady of the blessed murder uh, and essentially uh, a proper registered licensed assassin mm. uh, a person who 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 kills people? Um, <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, well, you know, it's a joke. English one hundred one. English one hundred one. Um, I like this idea that in a lot of worlds that assassins are properly registered and licensed. Yeah, well, well, like it's not just a casual thing. You've got to have like a series of gradings. Well, a lot of them are in this world, aren't they? Just called the military. Oh, oh. cutting that yeah, out. Cutting that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's more, this is an academy where assassins are trained. And in fairness, historically, you get academies for, mm. you know, murderers. So, assassin, assassin was the name of a, them from a secret society in the first place. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you've shortened your senses, now have this ball of fascist. I never understood how that worked as a, uh, as a concept. So, yeah, um, this is a very slow burn of a novel. For a start, it's a big book, mm-hmm. and it's also quite a bit of a slow burn because what he's doing is clearly when the character, when the main character sees what happens to her father, she's like, "Well, that's not just because he's my dad and I love him. I want to get you guys." And then as the story gets revealed and you know the burn continues, then you realise actually there's more to it. This, the reason it's called Nevernight, is because it's Nevernight. Oh. set in a world with three suns how does I question the physics but okay they are regular <laughs> they are regular superstorms of uh, from the autumn that come across and cool things down is the the short version that everything is regularly cooled by by massive kind of storm rains um, so uh, people the, the the entire culture is a harsh one for a start it's like why you know why is God's eye constantly staring at us why has the night been banished you know if the night's been banished why is you know why is the world such a, an awful place and um, it's set in a, the actual setting the, the, the land that they're in are the, the bone the, the people call them the bones of a dead god because there's these huge ossified pillars everywhere and it's um it's a, it's, it's essentially it's venice it's kind of like a this why i don't know why so many fantasy assassin stories are set in a kind of renaissance place but you know it's this kind of renaissance venice where everything is ancient and old and everything is broken and the people themselves very much broken as well um so I, I've lost on one little point. You've got a world with three suns, but they remember there being night. So have the suns just you, appeared. You get you get some night, right? Every once in a while, it's blessedly dark, 
So okay. they're, they're familiar with the concept of nice. You just don't get a lot of it. Right, okay. And also this is a this is a fantasy world, so there's there's stories of there being a time where there was more darkness. Okay. It's not necessarily actually been more darkness. Mm. But and it's it's one of those things that it's I would compare this in quite a few ways to Dan Pat Patrick's uh, Boy the Porcelain Blade, which is also a story about assassins. And, and whereas the characters in that were outwardly mutilated, and you know there was a a series of kind of rather horrific conspiracies in the beating heart of that. This is more detailed than that. The uh, the damage runs all the way through, right into the soul of the characters which is great because it gives, gives you an excuse to have um, Mia being rather awful all the way through mm. the language itself is evocative it's very prettily written mm. uh, all the way through um, and obviously we're going to have we're going to have to make two sets of comparisons here is Mia anything like Harriet from from, jo uh, from George Orwell Martin's Game, Game of Thrones sort of you have a mystical assassin woman um I think Mia would probably kick Harry's ass up and down the streets of some sort of Swedo-Venetian city quite readily and be certainly more willing to, to murder more quickly. Um, and also probably, you know, she's an assassin that lives in a world of constant sunlight. She's quite good at sneaking up at people. You know, that's a hard skill to, to, to pick up. Is it as a storytelling anything like Robin Hobbs Assassin's Apprentice nothing's like Robin Hobbs Assassin's Apprentice uh, if you want to read more Robin Hobb read more Robin Hobb um, is it firmly inspired by that yes is the character's perspective the cr critical point and is the unreliable narrator being really unreliable a critical point yeah absolutely totally unreliable narrator here um, not only unreliable but more than a little bit crazy um, so yeah that, and that really works, that really draws you in as well um, the fighting's quite good the theme is quite good the world is substantially catalogued um, there's footnotes it's oh, got footnotes oh we like footnotes um, he he explains. You don't get enough fiction books with footnotes. It, it, it's stuff like you know they'll be chatting, chatting away and someone will be like, "Yes, I worked for this king," and there'll be a footnote explaining who the hell that king was, and why he's called the you know, why why he's a heresy or why he's a heretic or what was going on at this point and the relationship between the Red Church and you know, the the Guild of Assassins essentially, and and you know all the rest of it. But yes, um, there's also a cat in it. Um, I'm gonna leave it there because you should because the cat's kind of important. I'm gonna leave it there. We've Did I enjoy it? We've been left there with that with a cat. Yeah, that's an adorable cat. He said lying. Um, did I enjoy it? Yes, yes, I did. Um, is it quite a weighty read? Yes, it is. It takes a little while to get into. Once you get into the room, you kind of don't stop, and then you have to go to bed. Um, am I excited for the next one? Yes. Do I want to know more? Yes. Um, 
do I expect this to get me into something bigger? Yeah, to be honest, I expect this to be as big as the Illuminator books have been. To be honest, I think Jay Christoph has hit something that's going to keep going and running and running and running uh, quite seriously. Um, and I would be very unsurprised if I don't see much more comparisons to to other big name authors. I think this is where Jay Christoph, who's already quite a big name, steps up onto that next level. Um, I definitely think he's on the old winner here. Um, do I have any clue as to why Australians keep like keep wanting to kill gods? No idea, but they do. Um, they do. There's seventeen shows there. Well, why Australians want to kill their gods? Yeah. It's it's an interesting thing because I mean this this book starts with a dead god. Um, ben Peake's Godless, oddly enough has dead gods in it but there's an awful lot of Australian fantasy where it seems that the desert is clearly an inspiration and the heat is clearly an inspiration and this idea that God has abandoned them or not so much abandoned them but doesn't care anymore is definitely I've, I've just watched um, Australian drama series um, which about four episodes and about half of it as a British person sitting there going what what is happening with your relationship with people and excellence and champions and building people up and then just almost abandoning them. Um, but we could talk about that for quite some time, but let's not do that now. <laughs> okay, so um, let's listen to another advert. Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Don't be scared. It's only the Death Star destroying another world. Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun. Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present... Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. So then, we mentioned briefly, uh, very, very briefly, that the um, Discord levels have their own take on Assassins. Yeah, the Assassin's Guild uh, in Ankh-Mort Pot. Which is right next door to the Plane Guild, if memory serves. Yeah, it is indeed. Just a, just a wall in between them. It's it's almost as if, you know, one one's horrible, sinister uh, and implacable, and the other is a Guild of Assassins. Yeah. That was inevitable, really. Uh, we, we couldn't resist making that joke. Uh, I think the first time we meet the Assassin's Guild is in Pyramids. I want to say yes. Well, he gets pushed off a building and then has to stop himself yes. being pushed off a building. He does the emergency stop, but it's called an emergency drop test. So to, to, it's weird, isn't it, that we, we kind of glorify murderers. And even Terry Pratchett, who's this great parody writer, great kind of humanitarian voice of fantasy, put assassins in his work. It's like we can't not have a fantasy world without mm. murderers. I don't know if... Because I know in, in Men at Arms, they're actually like part of the plot point, aren't they? Like The Assassin's Guild is actually really important. Um, I don't know if I would say that it's necessarily glorifying them. I think it's... And I don't even necessarily think that in Pratchett's terms... He's saying that they're necessary, but I think it's an acknowledgement of the fact that 
that people will always use them they'll always have a place there's always going to be those people that think that yeah an assassination is the the easiest option around what we do and obviously Terry Pratchett doesn't shirk away from the fact that there are dark dark people and dark trades it's also I mean traditionally assassins are seen as that kind of ultimate political tool yeah um, is it Nightwatch Terry Pratchett's Nightwatch which is the the Liam is inspired <laughs> um, where we have a young veterinary who will eventually become the, the patrician of the city mm. um, walk into a room and the legend is is that this this man was murdered in front of a crowded room full of the and there were hundreds of people in this crowded room and he was right in the middle of them and this somehow the assassin's guild killed him and of course the the trick the line of course is that everyone just turns their back because they want this man dead so badly that they allow someone to just walk straight into the hall slit the guy's throat and leave and that's in a Terry Pratchett novel and that's pretty dark mm. um, but that's a, a good description of you know of the of the hatred the city has for this particular character I can't remember the, the, the crazy patrician's called but yeah, he, he's, he's, he's a terror and he's caused massive amounts of death through his incompetence and vanity um I'm not sure if it's a, a point though, but they do make the, they do have their their pride as the Assassin's Guild in the Discworld novels. That you know people pay you know they they are gentlemen. They are raised as gentlemen. They are they they are you know uh, everyone who could be killed has a price on them and will be you know will be paid for certain sums of undisclosed money. Whereas there are obviously ruffians who just kill people because you know violence. Maybe yeah. and they don't have standards. They're Maybe. not nice people though. Maybe they're never no. portrayed as like good guys. No, that was, there's just a bit. You're right. There's definitely occasion. there's like a pride there, and it's maybe we have assassins in fantasy novels because fantasy novels are meant to be at some level exciting, mm. and you kind of want to, if you've got a king there or a queen there, or if you've got kings and queens warring against each other, what you want is politics. You've got to have politics because kings and queens hate each other, so you've got to have politics. What's more interesting, 25 pages of negotiation, or Fitz using his special magical powers to look through the eyes of a wolf to find out where that person is, and then poisoning their cup. What's more interesting, you know, someone someone making a, war, a hostage negotiation, or Arya Stark sneaking around the back and slitting someone's throat? Mm. Well, it's ultimately also, you know, the stakes, it's this scenario, whatever the situation is, won't be resolved by two people having a discussion. It'll be, it's, you know, it's apparently important enough to one of them to take somebody else's life for it. So it immediately adds jeopardy to the situation. There's also, I mean, we, we get this in Nevernight, but we also get this in Game of Thrones, we get this in, I mean, Robin Hobb is the... I don't want to say that she's like she invented the idea of murder and of assassination in fantasy because she didn't, but she's the biggest voice there. Where those who've read the the, the kind of the Fitzgerald series, it's you know the first one's called Assassin's Apprentice. It's about a boy who is of a certain bloodline who's taken to one side and taught taught herbs initially, hmm. and the uses of herbs and this will do this and this will do that. And he's a political agent. And I suppose, you know, what if, what is James Bond if he's not an assassin? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's that 
And then you, st- but if you think of him as an assassin rather than as a super spy, then suddenly James Bond is not, you know, I mean, he's not meant to be nice, but we see him as a champion kind of hero character. Yeah. We don't see. He doesn't like recon much intel. Well, that's because he's James Bond, and he's yeah. actually a really bad spy. Yeah. Mm. So he's not. He's not good at spying. He's not. He's not a spy. He is a yeah. hired gun. Yeah. He's an assassin. Yeah. He's not yeah. even hired. He's he's paid for. He's, by he's the salaried. State. Yeah. <laughs> he's a salaried assassin. I don't know. I don't know if that makes him worse or better than civil service pension. Yeah. Thing, like. So I really like Casino Royale. Um, I thought the reboot of Bond were really good, but it's a thing where like that your second kill, will be, like obviously your first kill is difficult, your second kill will be easier. I just started thinking like, why would that be automatically be something you trained at, at, trained in as a spy? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Should I just be like stealth? Stealth is what we're going to talk about and lying. <laughs> It is one of the few Bond films that actually has him handling another informer on the scene, though, because I think it starts off with, yeah, he somebody else is listening into the actual conversation, and he's actually supervising them as an agent would. Mm. Yeah. But in but, the Fleming novels, he's a complete mess. I mean, Bond, <laughs> Bond is he's a pretty much of a mess in most of the recent films. Bond, Bond is not a he's not pretty. He's a raw thug, and he looks like a raw thug. He just wanders into the room and goes, Hi, I'm the assassin. Hi, I'm, I'm here to, to take you all out. You know, he doesn't doesn't do the the, the stealth thing. There's a on, on the sorry, on the flip side, um, there is a lovely uh, setting called the Fall of Religion and Five Rings, which is a series of books, series of fantasy novels, series of various bits and pieces, and most detailed for opening it. And it's um, or an oriental setting. Essentially, it's meant to be like a fantasy. Fantasy is sweet, or it's got samurai in it. Mm. And you sit there and you're looking through all this, and it's like, well, where are the ninja? And then the first time someone goes, where are the ninja? And their response is, ah. <laughs> and where the ninja are is um, what they've done is they've set up a, a kind of legend of ninja. And these guys in their the, the black pajamas with their swords who, who are ninjaing around. Um, you hear stories about these these people who've been murdered. You, you, there was a ninja scene in, in his black pajamas. And it's like suddenly, guards, 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 there's a man in black pajamas. And they all run out to take out the ninja. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, the, the courtesan who's been there for six months who no one suspects and everyone knows that she's getting married and thinking of time and all the rest of it, sneaks in, poisons the guy leaves and ninjas ninjas have done it and then mm-hmm. I mean the black pyjamas thing isn't a ninja thing as such I mean it's obviously it's what you picture when you think of ninjas I'm riffing the episode of QI they said you know in Japanese theatre people who are wearing all black are stagehands and the audience doesn't see them so which is why it became a an, a moment of shock when suddenly a stagehand would leap out with a knife and kill someone because he didn't think they were an assassin so in a sense the black the ninja you know out, outfit is itself a spoiler for um, but most of the you know actual ninjas wear anything they wear whatever it takes to get up close to you because they're, yeah, they're assassins because they're stealthy they don't wear a uniform that, that, that would be way too convenient um 
Star Wars does that. I know we're kind of diving between genre and kind of tie-in genre and touching on movies, but Star Wars does that to an extent because it doesn't have assassins, except it does because Boba Fett's an assassin. He's a bounty hunter. Yeah, bounty hunters aren't necessarily assassins. If you have to tell them, like, you know, hey, no disintegrations. But that's like surely just a dead or alive thing, isn't it? Sometimes they just want them brought in, but sometimes they want them brought in alive. So it's like just you have to be careful with the force that you use. Or the force I use. Nah. Nah. Unintentional (laughs) pun. Or was it? Ah. Maybe the reason we can't see the the ninjas in Star Wars is because they're that good. You mean they're not wearing black pajamas? They're not wearing black pajamas. Or they are just invisible. Mm. A Schrodinger is ninja, obviously. Is this ever alive, dead, or behind you? With a knife. But yeah, so what other what other fancy what other fancy meadows are? We've, we've touched on bits. Who you know, again? There's it's, it's it's that weird idea of like here is a child. I only teach a child to be a murderer, and it's kind of that's an acceptable fantasy trope. Uh, this Nikita. Is she in a book or is she just in films? She's just in films, right? Yeah. I look after her. I feel like there's loads, though. There are. I'm thinking of Waylander from the David Gilmore. Movie. I was about to say Waylander. Yeah. Um, you can definitely count him as like a hired like, assassin. Yeah, I mean, his story starts with the tropes of his family were killed by a wandering band and he then spent the next 20 years of his life hunting down every, you know, everyone who was part of that band. And then the, the novel picks up not long after he's finished that job and some of the other stuff has gone wrong instead but they're fantastic stories they within that world um, but I think one of the things I like about it is it's not so much about the glory of what he does is it it's about the like it's more that it's just the story of a a sad man who's yeah really I mean sad. with Waylander it's it's not that he's hired to do a job it's the consequences of a lifetime having killed a lot of people and now he's in a situation where he can't really use the tools of assassination against his enemies unless you know, without being really really clever about it mm. um, because you know there are other forces going on around him and he's torn in other ways because he comes in a few times there's like is it there's two or there's three there's three novels yeah and then, but the last one isn't so, he's not really the main character anymore is he he's just he he's a, he's very important and he's the reason the story exists but actually the focal point is is someone else to some extent that's true about the other two as well but mm. yeah but the, the other two are directly named after him um <laughs> um, yeah, reach, very reach for a point <laughs> um <coughs> But yeah, I mean, in a sense, in all three of them, he's he's a retired assassin. Yeah. And how recently depends on which book you've just read, reading. But he's not immediately engaged. He know he has these tricks. You know that if you do know who he is and you do cross him, you are going to pay for it. But it becomes entirely because he needs you dead, not because he has been paid to kill you. Mm. So he's not, in that sense, not a professional assassin. He's just a. He's now just you know retired. Amateur's the wrong word. Enthusiast is also the wrong word. But he, yeah. given the given the option left to his own devices, he wouldn't. You know, he's he's you know he's the fire that would go out left to his own devices. But if you 
you know, decide to engage him and decide to hunt him down and kill him, you're the one who's going to be, you know, on the receiving end. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, I think there's some very specific fantasy tropes of, and definitely the, the old and knackered assassin who doesn't want to use his abilities is the oh. one I've read a few times. Yeah, right? drafts from, again, David Gamble, you've got Conan and Pratchett, there's, yeah, loads of things like well, that. Well, it's like, I mean, I mean not so much Conan, because Conan will well, just turn up and kill you, but... Yeah, but they're still, like, ultimately, people that didn't start as assassins, but actually then people are like, can you just come and win this battle for me, but while you're there, can you just, uh... <laughs> yeah, people who are ashamed of the fact that they're really, really good at this thing, they probably yeah. don't want to be that good at I accidentally got really good at it, and now it's the only thing people want me to do. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just thinking about it. Elon Banks, of course, in the um, in the, his culture novels, he has a bunch of different people who you could argue, I mean, uh, are are assassins. And the use of weapons is all about one person who is very good at killing, and that's only really his only skill. You stop and think about it because I believe that's has that as well, where they've been, you know, the, the main character has pretty much informed over over the concept of, of being able to fit in and adapt and murder. And the thing with Ian Banks's culture novels is most of the society, 99.9999% is perfect. But the, there is never any conflict within the culture. The culture is fine. It's only when the culture has to interact with other cultures and other societies that they have a problem and every once in a while they have to send someone in to do the unthinkable and it's those characters that are the most interesting but on the other hand they're important murderers and we shouldn't really be celebrating them but mm. we are um, we kind of I don't know, it's, it's simple the same with the, the, novels. the, the characters in there are trained killers and yet we're like, yeah, Arya Stark, we all cheer Arya Stark in George R. Martin's book. We're all like, you go girl. It's like, oh, no, actually, what she's about to do is commit a series of political murders. We don't particularly like those people, but still, she's a, she's a horrific murderer and a member of a cult. And, uh, yeah, cheerful. Yeah, themes that keep coming up there, isn't it? Like, I've just, is... just started thinking of Garrick from Deep Space Nine, but... It... Technically not in this assassin at the moment, but an interesting character because of that implication that he might have been. There is a whole thing with strong female. It is strong female characters who commit horrible murders. Mm-hmm. Hunger Games. I know it's not assassination, but that is a strong female character murdering a lot of people. Um, but even outside of that, yeah, there are strong female assassins. Well, we have a list of characters here with um, the bride, um, Peggy Carter. I have a, I have in front of me Lada Dracul. People will remember this from our uh, Judge the Book by its cover uh, podcast, and we read it recently. We quite liked it. I quite like Dandai Darkin. Yes, <clears throat> it's fitting in well, Arthur. Although this isn't so much. A, it's it's definitely someone who's willing to kill. Uh, Lada is um, not, but Lada isn't an assassin. She's someone who's far more under the threat of assassination most of the time. But she, she's because she's trapped in that kill or be killed thing. She has um, a flexible attitude to murder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she has the moments where she has to decide not to kill someone. So that's flexible, right? Yeah, yeah like, like a willingness, but a willingness to commit acts of horrendous violence. 
Um, it's, it's kind of like an interesting, interesting take. Is the you know are you how willing is your character to go? And I suppose that's why you have the murder academy kind of trope, mm. where it's like, well, this person has been encouraged to do the you know do the uh, the abominable and do the impossible. But then on the other hand, I suppose one of the ways that you stop making the character as awful is and it's kind of it's touched on in in Nevernight is you make the targets awful. I mean we're, we're yeah. cheering on we're cheering on Arya Stark because she's going to you know, she's probably gonna go and kill Cersei and Cersei is horrible. And it's that kind of it's you know, it's that let's kill Hitler. Yeah. So let's kill Hitler. Why not? You know, no one's gonna suddenly be like, No, can't be a Royal Society for the Protection of Fascists. It's not a thing. But, but Paradox is in time. <laughs> um, yeah, the Wolf by Wolf by Ryan Grodan um, that I've discussed previously on when, when we were the bookworm, um, that is essentially what that story is about, as we're learning about the training of a 17-year-old girl to kill Hitler because she is the only person that can do it without going into the reason reasons why. Um, kind of to an extent, um, it's, it's not a spoiler. We do learn it pretty early on that that's what, that's what everything is being geared at. Um, but it is, it is that moment where you're like, this is horrible. She's 17 and she's being trained to kill a person. But because of how awful the person that is being assassinated is that becomes the lesser evil um but there is like a there's indoctrination in there as well though which i think also removes that a little bit um so as much like oh but things will be worse if we didn't do this horrible thing but and don't get me wrong it's not what happens in wolf by wolf she has her own motivations for wanting to kill hitler and i think most people probably would um but in some of these stories we do see the we do see the, the manipulations of trying to get people to that point where they feel motivated enough to do it themselves um like a dehumanizing is that is that problematic as well that it's very often young girls who are being led down that path we were it's one of those things isn't it is the, the most famous assassin fantasy story is about a guy written by a woman but Bob uh, and Hobb and the, the assassin series mm. But thinking about it, guys tend to write women as assassins. Mm. Ooh, think, it's that femme fatale thing, isn't it? thing going on there, isn't there? It's, 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 it's. Is that for visuals? Is that a silhouette? Um, it could be the idea that women... Uh, women are painted as being, like, naturally more adept at manipulation... Is it the dangerous other? Um, yeah, or is is it that? It, um, might, it might just be there's a, there's a there's, if you think of women as being more giving life and men taking it away, it might be just the, the shock value yeah. of it, a woman being this instrument of love. It might be the more still shock value if it's always a woman in fiction. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, there's that. I mean, I'm also thinking, you know, there might there is a I'm, juxtaposition because yeah. they're generally seen as the caring and the nurturing. Is there also the thing because the characters tend to be quite young, and whereas with Fitz, it feels not quite right but appropriate that he's you know 
his background is this he's this is the only place where he can fit mm. and, and therefore he becomes an assassin and it's like okay he's being trained to, to murder and it's a male role whereas the because because patriarchy because of the way our society is when you, when you say to most people innocent you think of an innocent little girl you don't think of an innocent little boy so maybe that's the it's the corruption of innocence that they want to have as that kind of shock impact. And it also goes back to that point you made earlier about you know the, somebody goes oh my god the ninja in his pajamas is outside the gate, and they're also distracted going after the the presumably male ninja that they don't notice the woman with the poison. Yeah, it's there's all there's almost certainly a lot of psychology going on here. Yeah, um, but I do think it's it's not the first. It's not a recent thing for women to be painted as dangerous. And I'm not coming into this from like a, ooh, people are so down on women. Um, just literally, like even scripture and things. Um, like Helena, Helena Troy is seen as the reason why these things happened. Um, Delilah mm. takes down Samson. Um, I think sometimes it's not just so much that there's that it's a shock, but it just seems that much more unlikely. But making them young girls nowadays as well, like you said, because we young girls we have this idea of, of innocence. It, it could potentially be because it seems more unlikely that or the harder work, or there's more things to look at into with a woman becoming an assassin, because maybe it feels like it would be easier for a man Cer to become an assassin, so there's less of a story there. Certainly with Nevernight, despite the fact that Mia is horribly broken as a person, you're rooting for her more, because it feels, certainly at the start, it feels like she's been robbed. Mm. It feels like she's been done badly. And for some reason, because, because she is a she... You feel like she should have had a better opportunity. She should have had, and you kind of personally you forgive her more mm. because she is training to be a murderer. It's a choice <laughs> that she's made. She's chosen to do this horrible thing, so she's training to be a monster. So you're like, but you're like, you go, girl. And it's the same again with how you start. Mm. You know, you go for it. You go and and, and commit this horrible crime. <laughs> well, with how you start, how much of it is? She needs to disappear into that anonymous place of learning to learn to be an assassin because, as a Stark, all sorts of people are out to kill her. How much of it is self-preservation? Um, I think... I, I, I have no idea. I, I think... Because I think, that's, that's part of the ongoing going plot. I think there's certainly... Also, I think, I think if you have a guy as an assassin, it seems more like a power fantasy rather than a regular fantasy if you see what I mean it does does feel more like kind of like them taking control that kind of like warlike nature because apparently as a guy I'm supposed to be all warlike and violent and, uh... I don't know if I'd see assassin uh, assassination as a powerpoint from the assassin because they're just being hired yeah to do that it's have, not like a serial killing murderer where they've chosen their victims themselves. Mm. But they have that Liam Neeson style ability to do a rant of saying, I have, I, I don't have much money, but I have certain skills that can make your life very uncomfortable. They can do that whole 
you've you know you've got that element where they've got all of these amazing abilities that's like you know Jason Bourne James Bond these sort of they're all seen as incredibly strong incredibly powerful killing machines and maybe maybe you really if you want to tell a, a strong story about assassins what you want is them to empathise with the murderer and in order to empathise by the murderer the thing we need to take away is the fact that they're a murderer because that's a part you know the the we the the the, the Pitchevery stories he gets into all sorts of scrapes and he has to kill people but the scene is an adventure you know it's part of the adventure that he's on it's part of the story that he's on and he has these immediate regrets and that's part of the genius of Robin Hobbs writing is that he has these immediate regrets and that he always weighs the, the balance the character we haven't touched on at all that we should have is Black Widow I actually yeah, yeah. Uh, Black Widow Electra. The the red, um, the red in her ledger, which is a wonderful. Thank you, Josh Reading. But um, yeah. it's, it's some of the comic writers and um, Richard Morgan has, has touched on that as well on the idea that as an assassin, she has this debt, which is why she's currently trying to stop stab space aliens in the face to save the world. And so it's an interesting. Mm. You can you balance that? Is it possible? I think one of the things with Black Widow as well is that she's not um, portrayed as primarily an assassin, is she? She's essentially, as awful as it sounds, quite often, more often than not, used as a clever sex worker who can get people to tell her their secrets. Um, there's a there's a manipulation in that. Um, but yeah, from that, she does have to kill people. She's not necessarily sent in just to do the killing. She's more of like an intel kind of gatherer. But um, I think... And she has had brutally horrible things, didn't she? Mm. So, yes, if you disagree with any of these points, please send uh, an email to us. Do not send an assassin. Um... <laughs> We'll send them back. Send us well, a stamp down address envelope. Yeah, if you back. send an assassin, please send them with a self-addressed stamped envelope uh, and a black bag, so we can put you know, so we can give them a cake as well. Obviously, we can do anything awful. So um, cake is a lie. No, don't tell them that. <laughs> but I was promised cake. <laughs> no, it's fine because it, the cake's not a lie. It's is that okay. a lie? No, there's cake. Are we now in lieception? Oh, who knows? Shall we go and have some cake? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, it's goodbye for me. It's goodbye for me. It's goodbye for me. And it's goodbye for me. <laughs>